Uh, it's time for the Global Threat Report, Global Threat Solution. Say, a 100% veteran-owned Long Island-based security investigation firm uh, offering so much. That's the captain's company, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fully licensed uh, private investigations uh, firm offering comprehensive private investigation. Lots of services. Check it out on the website for peace of mind in uncertain times. GlobalThreatSolutions.com. Phone call. We'll answer questions too. 646 646-946-6649. The aforementioned Captain Kim Bombase uh, giving us a couple here on a Wednesday morning. Cap, good morning to you, my friend. Morning, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Lots to cover. Lots to cover. I don't know if you caught the town hall last night on Fox. Uh, I thought Trump did an excellent job. And, uh, you know, the question about the border came up. I found it a very interesting answer. Laura Ingram asked, uh, well, how would you fix it? What would you do with all those that have entered the country? He said, you know what? He would contact the, the local police departments and uh, round up uh, the illegals. And uh, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, nefarious individuals are here for only one reason, uh, and that is to uh, co- commit crimes. And what? we've seen plenty of them, plenty of them. I thought that was an interesting answer. Uh and I think that these police departments would be very key as far as helping solve this issue. Yeah, I used to be involved in some of this when I was a detective. I worked with ICE to, um, you know, a lot of the gang members that we would be targeting were yeah. here illegally. And it really depends. Local police can be valuable. Obviously, they serve in task force and they work closely with ICE. And they're a force multiplier because there's so many of them. But it all depends on the policies and the federal and the you know the guidance of the federal law enforcement. They have to work under their um, powers in that in that field. So it's basically if the president puts out changes policies and wants these people uh, deported in a robust fashion because they're involved in gangs and other crimes and not wait for convictions if they're arrested. Um, and deport these people, he could do it. They could have a huge impact in the country on getting rid of these bad actors that have come across here. And, and you know, I heard, um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, you know, the different incidents with illegal immigrants in New York City. Now there's another video out there of them attacking police at one of the migrant centers there. Mm. Um, and you hear Mayor Adams say, well, it's a few bad actors. But that's the point. We need to be able to vet these people and not let the bad actors in. But right now, there's no system in place. They're just flowing in, you know, in the largest numbers we've ever seen. And that's why we're dealing with this right now. Well, you're dealing with it because everything is free. When you uh, basically state the word free, you know, free cell phone, free lawyers, uh, free uh, food, free housing. Uh, work permits being facilitated. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's like a never-ending vacation, you know? And it's free. Yeah. And that's that's the uh, the biggest thing. Uh, listen, Eric Adams, he's, he's at the center of it. I'm sorry. You declare yourself to be a sanctuary area, and this is what happens. Uh, everything is free. Open arms, shelter in place. You know, we've got it here for you. Come to New York. Uh, we will provide at no charge to your well-being. Uh, that is an open invitation, Cap. Yeah. Jay, I'll tell you something. The numbers, I'm not sure all, every American understands how devastating this was. So 
If you were to look back between 1870 and 1900 in America, we had 12 million migrants arrive to the U.S. That's 30-year period. In comparison, over barely three years, we've had 7.2 million illegals enter the U.S. under this administration. Jake, that's an amount uh, up greater than the population of 36 of our states. Wow. That is an insane number. And that what I've said from the beginning is the damage that's been done by this policy for three years, it's irreparable. There's no repairing it. All we could do is try and mitigate at this point. You listen to the FBI director. I mean, he sounds like a, a man who's very concerned about what we're up against right now at a time when we have greater terror threats since the greatest terror threat since 9-11 in this country. To have so many, so much unknown to me is terrifying. And I'm not even touching on all the criminals and the gang members and the fentanyl. Just the terror threat alone is terrifying. And the thing is, there's nothing we could do about it other than try and mitigate the damage. But unfortunately, I don't see how you could, we could possibly protect against 7.2 million people coming in here. And I haven't even touched on the Chinese nationals. I'm sure you've seen this story. That Good point. Yeah. We, you know, Jeff, if you look at the numbers, I think in 2021, it was 450 yep. people from from China. And today, in, in uh, 23, over 24,000, many of a military age. You look at the pictures of them lined up on the border when they're in, they're asking them where they're from. They look like soldiers. They have military haircuts. I mean, this is crazy. At a time when China has had the most aggressive spying operations on this country, to be letting these people flow in, 24,000, it's insane what we're doing right now. And again, all we could do is mitigate at this point, Jay. Yeah, you're 100% right. All since October, a 450% boost, folks, as far as Chinese nationals. Since October, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You heard the captain's numbers right there. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. I Listen, Kazakhstan, Brazil, all over the place, right? All over the place. And this is uh, this is Joe Biden's open border policy right now. Uh, no end in sight. Um, you know, Biden actually told us a couple of months ago he was going to start that wall again. Never did. Uh, it's, it's just an ongoing uh, issue. It's the number one issue. It's the number one issue uh, that uh, a president will have to deal with if it's a new one uh, come January the 20th of next year, Cap. Uh, number one issue. Without question. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, let's turn our heads as far as what's happening around the world. Moscow, in particular, Ukraine. Funding still on the table, about $60 billion. You got recess there. Zelensky is uh, his hand out as far as saying, you know what? It's dire straits right now. We need some help. Meanwhile, you got Putin uh, doing his uh, dastardly acts, threatening nuclear weaponry out of space. Uh, the latest, the ballerina. Uh, U.S. citizen from L.A. Uh, in uh, custody right now. Why? She gave $51 uh, to Ukraine as far as aid is concerned. My goodness. Uh, you know, sanctions now. Uh, Joe Biden has threatened. I don't think it'll, it'll do anything uh, as far as deterring Putin from his uh, ways. Uh, but all in all, the beat goes on. We've got a two-year anniversary, believe it or not, Cap, coming up on Saturday of this invasion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and these, the sanctions, I, I would agree, these are the most powerful sanctions we've seen. But he's found ways around them. And he's a, you know, when you have a dictator, 
uh, Jay, they don't care about their people. So, so yes, have the Russian people suffered because of this conflict? Sure. But he's not worried about that. He's got bigger plans. And what the big focus is on right now is his aid package. So it's a $60 billion package to support Ukraine and fight against Russia. And with that, it would be um, 60, uh, actually, it's 90, 90 billion, I think it is, 60 billion to support Ukraine and 14.1 billion in security assistance for Israel, 9.2 billion in humanitarian assistance and 4.8 billion to support regional partners in the Indo-Pacific. That's this new Senate Appropriations Committee bill that they put forward. And of course, Speaker Johnson's taking a lot of heat right now because he has he does not want to bring this to the floor. Uh, one thing I note is that Congress is on a two-week recess right now anyway. They're not going to be back to the 28th. So nothing's happening before then. And now the latest we're hearing is that Speaker Johnson wants to meet with President Biden. And I think President Biden says he's willing to meet. So we'll see if that comes to fruition and if anything comes of that meeting. But I, I think in the big picture, you know, Yes, everybody feels for the Ukrainian people, of course. But we've already supported them more than any country by far since the beginning of this. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't continue to support them. But why can why why is it impossible to have that support based on first addressing the problems we have here? Massive problems here, not the least of which is financial problems. We have 34 trillion in debt, and it's getting worse every single day. Jay, there's Experts out there that say it's too late. There is no recovering from this debt. We can never pay it down. And if we had some of the people, some of the nations out there, many of them enemies, that call on this money, this massive amounts of debt, the dollar's going to suffer. And, and we don't want to see that happen globally. Um, and the border, why can this not be tied? Why can we not say, sure, we'll support this? But first, we need a massive effort to control what's going on at, on our border. To suggest it, it's, a, it's amazing to me how they try and spin this now and say, well, this is the Republicans' fault, the border, because they never acted in Congress. Listen, if you look at the charts of our immigration at the southern border from the last administration to this one, it's an immediate spike, immediate, the second this administration takes power. And why is that? Because it was unilateral executive power he used to change policies on the border. That's what happened. He didn't need Congress to create that situation. He doesn't need Congress to fix it. So if he wants to fix the border and stop this disaster we've been watching for three years, he could do it. He's just choosing not to do it. Um, so these are some of the things that they have to consider with this Ukraine package. We're, we're, every day, I just saw another one. They just uh, waived $1.2 billion more in student loans. It's as if we have this limitless amount of money. Our debt is massive right now, and this is a lot of money they're trying to give away. At a minimum, we should be able to ask for some, they, they should be able to demand that we first address some of the issues we have here in the U.S., the border being probably the most important one. Yeah, without question, without question. And listen, we know the importance of keeping Ukraine uh, fully weaponized to defend itself without question. Uh, I myself would like to see a checklist exactly where these dollars go. Uh, that is the key. After $60 billion, uh to be handed over, you're going to have in the area somewhere around $130, 140000000000 billion, I would think, that, have, that has already been sent to Ukraine since the start of this thing. And people wonder, well, you know what? We need money in this country. we gotta, we got to plug a lot of holes here. So uh, I can understand. I can understand. The, the inquiries 
uh, that are coming about here. Now, with that being said, we turn to Gaza and we turn to a resolution, the latest, uh, where you had a vetoing of an Algerian resolution uh, calling for an immediate ceasefire over there. The Biden administration has advocated for a temporary halt in the fighting cap. They have not used ceasefire, the terminology, uh, as it remains very supportive of Israel. Uh, But we know that you have a political game of football being played here right now. Ceasefire is uh, taboo as far as, uh, you know, just getting about the word and whatnot, but also... Uh, I just have a feeling playing into the hands on an election year as far as the protests and everything else we have seen throughout uh, this process over the last three, four months, uh, that is also put playing into the mindset of this administration right now. Uh, but Netanyahu has been very firm over there saying there is no way we're going to halt anything. So you have a little tug of war going on. That's right. So. Right now, the big topic of discussion concerning Israel has to do with this U.N. resolution, and it failed on a 13-to-1 vote, with the U.S. being the only no vote. Um, This vote was was to demand an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza, and to be clear, the U.K. abstained from the vote. Um, But, Jay, the U.S. ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, countered by saying the United States understands the desire for urgent action, but believes the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations. Um... Furthermore, I'd add that there should be no discussion of any ceasefire until all the Israeli hostages have been released. Yeah. You know, I think people, Jay, it, it, we've heard so much. All the focus is on the humanitarian crisis in Gaza right now. Everyone's forgot about October 7th. That's not even a memory right now and the atrocities that occurred. But I think what we should be hearing so much more about right now from the U.S. and our allies is, demanded that these hostages be released. Why are we even negotiating? These are blatant war crimes. You're not allowed to take civilian hostages. That's not a thing that militaries do. Why would we be negotiating? Why is all the focus on the humanitarian crisis in Gaza while they're still holding hostages? And by the way, I hate to say it, Jay, but I'm pretty confident many of those people are no longer alive. that That they're claiming are. These people came in. They committed brutal crimes against the Israeli people. Then they took their people, and they're holding them hostage. I would never agree to a ceasefire without first my people being released. I will consider a ceasefire once all of my people have been released and they're back here. And until then, I would continue forward with the operations. And I wouldn't care who or what other nation tried to pressure me not to. I think Netanyahu is in the right. This is for their survival right now. Cap, let me ask you something, because nobody more knowledgeable in this area than you. What would prevent us, the United States, uh, special forces going in, swooping in, with all that we have technology-wise, not only helping out the IDF in this operation to get these hostages out of there, if they are alive, as you say, and who knows? I mean, who knows at this point? But what would prevent us from from somehow getting in there and finding these individuals, wherever they are? We must have some know-how uh, based on everything. And by the way, what would prevent us from going in? I know it sounds crazy, but you got, uh, you got Evan Gershwitz over there, Wall Street Reporter locked up in Russia. You got this ballerina now. 
uh, who's a dual citizen, Russia and the United States. I mean, my goodness. I mean, it's getting out of hand right now. Uh, do we have the capabilities to go into those specific areas and do some business here? So, yeah, in short, I'd say the one thing that would be a, um, an obstacle to that is politics, right? I think this administration does not want to get caught directly um, supporting Israel militarily in Gaza right now. However, with that, I would say that um, do we have the capabilities, the intelligence capabilities is really the big part, and then the special operations capabilities. Yes, to go in and get all of them right now, no, probably not. I'm sure there's some challenges there, but I am confident that our intelligence community and special operations community right now are working. Uh, first of all, the intel community providing them with some, with, we have a very robust intelligence apparatus here. So do the Israelis. But as far as um, uh, specifically uh, communications, interceptions, things like that, we, we have a very powerful system here. I'm sure we're providing that information to the Israelis on a daily basis. And I would also like to think that at a minimum, our special operations community is in the planning of working with the Israeli military for uh, planning purposes for any special operations uh, they have to conduct to try and get back hostages. I think any, the only thing that would keep us from directly taking part in that would be this administration's fear that that could escalate into a larger regional conflict, which, quite frankly, has already happened. You know, we've been attacked so many times in the Red Sea, Syria, Iraq. It's already happened, but we're in an election year, and they're trying to mitigate right now politically, and I think that's the big obstacle. My bad, bad. I think we had a surge somewhere, uh, but uh, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, the captain. Uh, Cap, go ahead. You were... You were Finishing up that thought process, uh, continue, my friend. A little bit of a, a technical issue, we solved it, but go ahead. Yeah, no problem, Jay. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the real challenge to us being directly involved, special operations-wise, would be, you know, just the fear of, the, of that information getting out and us being involved then in a larger regional conflict, which, which I stated, you know, we're kind of already in. You know, we've been attacked so many times now in Syria and Iraq and the Red Sea. And all of that is, comes from Iran. So we, we are involved in that regional conflict. But the bottom line is this is a presidential election year, and they're trying to mitigate things politically. So are we supporting, at least in the planning phase, special operations rights, and definitely supporting what our robust intelligence systems? Of course we are. But a direct involvement as far as operations, I'm sure they're very hesitant to do that at this stage. Yep, no doubt about it. Captain with us, uh, the Global Threat Report, bit of an interruption. We are back. Uh, a couple of more before we let you go, Cap. Uh, the Super Bowl rally and new charges being unveiled yesterday uh, in the shooting. It left one woman dead, 22 injured, uh, two men now facing uh, secondary murder charges, as well as uh, two counts of uh Unlawful use of a weapon, criminal action, the prosecutors, 11 at uh, the news conference yesterday. So uh, the two adults charged are different than the two juveniles uh, who were chased and detained after that shooting, correct? Yes. And, uh, you know, that's a big question right now. The one thing I couldn't find a lot of information on, Jay, is, is the weapons and if they were possessed legally, which I do not think they were, because it looks as though um, the two that were charged um, with, with murder, or I guess one of them's in his early 20s and one is like 18 or 19 years old, which 
I would like to think that they weren't possessing those legally. So we'll find out soon as far as the way, because they did say there's under, it's not just uh, murder, it's also weapons, underlying weapons charges there. But I would say, Jay, overall, this is kind of what people were anticipating happen here. We knew from the beginning they said they did not believe this was a terrorist incident or an active shooter scenario. So, you know, it, you have, you know, a million people gathering for this, and two people got in a fight, and obviously they didn't care about the people around them and let rounds fly, and unfortunately we lost someone, and 22-some-odd people were seriously wounded, many of them children, too. But mm. it looks as though justice will be served. They caught these people. And, of course, there'll be the wider debate now about firearms. But, like I said, I'm pretty sure these firearms, are good. it's going to be proven that they were possessed illegally, which would mean that, you know, laws specifically being a stronger firearms laws probably wouldn't have made a difference in this scenario. We're back. Uh, I was just saying, until we kind of fix those issues uh, and we keep the mental health aspect uh, ongoing as far as the conversation, if we don't do these things, we're not going to have anything. We're going to have the same old stuff. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Jay, what you mentioned before, it looks like just a fight between kids broke up. But I've conducted so many work on so many gang investigations before, and this is what it always starts with, nonsense. Like a a social media post, somebody said something about someone's girlfriend, and then they shoot each other. It seems so ridiculous, but that's the majority of the uh, the violence you see with uh, youth and often gang youth, too. That's what you're going to see. Yeah, no doubt about it. Before we let you go, and uh, listen, rain, sleet, or snow is not going to alter the conversation here, folks. I'll tell you that much. Um, former FBI informant charged with lying about the Biden family of dealings in Ukraine, uh, telling investigators that he got a lot of dirt on good old Hunter from some of the intelligence officials, Russian intelligence officials. So prosecutors, yes, in a new court filing, uh, stating Alexander Smirnov have been actively peddling new lies that could impact these U.S. elections uh, after a meeting with some of the Russian spies last year and, of course, the fallout from his previous uh, false bribery accusations, Cap, about the Bidens continue uh, to be coming into play here. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There is, and, you know, Listen, I, I know that they're touting that as something that's going to kind of derail all these investigations into the Biden, but that's small potatoes, Jay. You know, what we're looking at now, you know, obviously the president's brother, uh, James Biden, is supposed to yeah. be grilled today in Washington over a lot of things that are just really black and white. Um, for instance, uh, Joe Biden was, in fact, involved in a, a call or meeting with this hospital uh, system that later went the uh, funk that James Biden was supposedly kind of fleecing. And the bottom line is right after that call, he sends a payment to Joe Biden for $200,000. And all of, it was through this AmeriCorps um, organization they had created, which they laid, later shut down. But they're all called loan payments to Joe Biden. There was a total of about 600000 in loan repayments to Joe Biden. But this, this is basic stuff. Okay, this is rudimentary financial cover-up. It's like the most rudimentary financial cover-up I've seen. 
Clearly, this money wasn't alone, and clearly it was linked to the president's actions assisting his brother with these meetings. The right. timing is ridiculous. This kind of stuff, that it, this is like child's play to FBI's white-collar investigators. If they want to get to the bottom of this, it's very easy to do. This is not sophisticated stuff, Jay. Simply a refusal to act on the fact that this president kind of enriched himself, and it looks like he did it with some of our enemies, too, which could be even more serious. At a minimum, he has not been truthful about having knowledge of Hunter's and his brother's business dealings. That much is clear. He lied about that. So uh, I guess what we could do now is sit back and wait and see how this unfolds. But uh, I think that that uh, informant that should have really very little impact on the overall investigation, which seems to be very clear. No question. We'll see what awaits today. By the way, we have formulated our next roundtable discussion. The captain has accepted an invitation uh, for next Thursday. So a week from tomorrow, our second roundtable of the year. You will be present, and uh, we will give you uh, further instructions along the way, my friend. So we appreciate that. Don't forget the captain's brief. Ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock, 11, 11.30. Great job. He and uh, uh, Tom Evans uh, do quite uh, a job as far as the guest list and everything else on that great show. The captain's brief for uh, every Saturday morning at 11 right here on LA News Radio. Uh, Cap, can't thank you enough. Sorry about those interruptions. We will do better, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that goes on here. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to talking soon.